0: Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Please visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for all of these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. And I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Laura. Thank you. Hi, I'm Laura. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I want to thank Veronica for asking me, and um, welcome to all the new people, and congratulations to our chip taker, Bridget. Um, so to qualify, I have, um, <clears throat> my abstinence date is April 7th, 2008, so I have seven years, 11 months, and like three weeks. Um, I'm down around 65 pounds, and that number changes because I'm not a statue, and I have learned that here, and it fluctuates about two or three pounds, which I'm totally fine with, um, and that is the miracle of this program, um, and I have a sponsor, and I sponsor, and some of my sponsors are here tonight, and that's really awesome, so um, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now, um, I think I was born a compulsive overeater, um, I was born with a head that just did not stop. Um, Growing up, I just, I didn't pick up the food until I was around 13. But I I just remember being obsessed with your body and my body. And I was obsessed with what you thought about my body. And I was obsessed with bodies. And I was obsessed with being thin. And as a small child, I knew that I was better than my best friend Mary because she had a belly and I didn't. And that made me feel better than her. Um, I was just obsessed with the outside, um, and I love this story because it's so true for me. Um, I have two older sisters and a little brother, and, um, we, uh, I grew up in Nashville, and we had a really steep hill, and when it would rain, it would create a lot of mud at the bottom of the hill, and my mom would give us little pan pies, and she would tell us to go out and make chocolate pies. Um, and I would always try to eat the mud and I just thought it was food and chocolate and I wanted to like, I couldn't get enough of it. Um, and nobody else ate it. Um, there is this picture of my brother at his first birthday who I'm really close with. Um, and my grandfather's in it and my sisters are in it and everyone is looking at the camera except for me and my hand is in the cake and I have... Like cake on my face, and I'm completely checked out. Um, I have pictures of those things. I don't remember picking up the food compulsively until I was around 12 or 13, Um, but I was just obsessed and uncomfortable, Um, and I grew up in, like, a really, really great home. Like, I... Like, my biggest problem is that, like, my parents love me too much. Like, they adore the ground I walk on, and I, like, adore the ground they walk on, and I'm very close with my family. But there was still a lot of chaos, (laughs) and I was still really uncomfortable. Um, And I didn't like when my body changed. That was really uncomfortable. I didn't like when I got boobs and my mom called them buds, and I was like, Oh gross. Like, what is that, you know? And I was just uncomfortable, and I didn't want attention. Um, and so, um, that is how I grew up. I thought my sisters were gorgeous, and, like, I could never be as pretty as they were. I could never be as thin as they were. I just constantly compared myself to other people all the time. Um, and so I I want to talk in a general term, and this is not why I'm a compulsive overreader, because I was crazy before, but, um... I did I was sexually assaulted at 13 and that really dramatically shifted something in me and I remember picking up the food and I'm grateful that I picked up the food because I didn't pick up drugs and I didn't pick up alcohol until later um, and it, and I just remember the moment that like I've been into a honey bun God. Okay, Um, I remember the moment I bit into a honey bun, and I remember, like, saying to myself, like, this is going to solve all of my problems. It's going to be okay. Just keep eating. And I, like, packed on weight. Um, And so my top weight is 222. I'm 157 right now. I'm 5'7-ish. Jumping way ahead, I'm really comfortable in my body today. If you hear nothing else, like, I am comfortable in my body. I did not know that that was ever achievable. I just was like, I'm just gonna be uncomfortable in my body for the rest of my life. That's not how I feel today. Um, and so, I picked up the food, and a lot else came with it. You guys, I like have the burps tonight, and it's really uncomfortable. That's why I keep. Um. So got kombucha. Um. So which. I was drinking kombucha right before the meeting with my sponsee, and it looked like pink lemonade, the color of it. And we were like, oh, this is so nice. It looks like something that's not. And, like, I don't drink lemonade, right? Because, like, that would just make me go crazy. And so it's still fun to have something that feels like something else sometimes. Um, And so, oh, I have one. Thanks. Thanks so much, Mickey. Um, Is that what makes the go away? Should I just take a sip? (laughs) Okay. We're in this together. So, um, where was I? So, really uncomfortable, grew up, got to high school, um, wore, like, a couple different rotating shirts my entire sophomore year, um, long sleeves, had, a, like, seven, five to seven short sleeves, could not handle, like, anything else, just let me cover my body, let me just go about my way and get out of my way, and I'll, and I'll be okay um i have a multitude of learning disabilities um so school was really really hard for me everything was just really really difficult and um and then i found diet pills and i was like yeah let's do this like mm-hmm. i lost some weight i felt jittery i liked it um there were lots of um my sister was a little out of control at the home um And it gave me something to focus on. Um, So I've abused everything in this program, but I just solely identify as a compulsive overeater because for me that, like, encompasses everything. Like, I've done the bulimia. I've done the anorexia. I've done the overexercising very mildly. Um, I've done it all. But for me, I'm... I'm a volume eater. Um, and so I just started engaging in a lot of unhealthy behaviors. Like, my sister taught me how to saran wrap my waist at 15 and go to the gym. And I thought that, like, I was like, every bad idea I thought was, like, a brilliant idea. And, um, and I saran wrapped my waist and my thighs and, like, my whole body and just, like, put clothes on over and, like, went to the gym and worked out. Um, and I wasn't eating at the time. My best friend called me. And uh, she said, I really want to lose weight for church camp. And uh, I was like, okay. She's like, let's just stop eating. I was like, that's a brilliant idea. Let's stop eating. And I stopped eating for, like, seven to eight weeks and lost 45 pounds. And she started eating three days later. But I was determined. Um, And that summer, I was turning 16, felt like I lost my mind, got into a car accident towards the end of um, the starvation because my brain was not getting any nutrition, right? I got into a bad car accident. My parents came. The whole thing. Um, My sister showed up and said, "Like, is my car okay?" So I thought she was a horrible person, and I wanted nothing to do with her. Um, And it was just chaos. I was abusing laxatives at the time. Nothing was going right. Um, Was up and down with my weight, and then I went to um, and like that's how it lasted. Like that's what it was like through high school. Um, Went to college. I felt like I had freedom. My mom wasn't, um, she wasn't paying attention to my body. She wasn't there. And, you know, And like, now I have a lot of compassion for her. I'm, like, I really forgive her. Like, I don't know what it's like to have a child who's obese and be worried about them. And I'm not upset with her anymore about the way she handled it. And that's from working the steps. So, um... So I went to college and packed on about 40 or 50 pounds and got to my top weight and um, was really uncomfortable. And what happened was I um, I went to college, and I, about six months into college, got diagnosed with a very serious autoimmune disease and went from, like, vibrant um, – I mean, life wasn't going great. We all know that. But I was still, like, showing up in class and doing all those things – Um, and then, like, my body just stopped working. Like, I couldn't walk that much, um, and I had to move home and have my family take care of me, and, um, I was at my top weight, and the nutritionist said, you really need to get some weight off of your body. All the weight on your body is really hurting you. It's killing your autoimmune disease. Like, just let go of a little bit of weight. So she gave me a diet, and, um, I did everything she said, because I was in so much physical pain, I could not go on. Um... And I lost 75 pounds in about four months, and it was drastic, and I was uncomfortable, and I got a lot of attention. And then I was mad at everybody for giving me attention because why didn't you accept me when I was bigger? Like, what's wrong with you? Um, and was just angry. Um, and so my friend told me about Overeaters Anonymous, and I was at my then weight, and um, she was not, and I was like, you should totally go to that program, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you should totally go, and she was like, oh, like, I'm telling you about it, and I was like, well, like, I was like, your portions are a little a big, and, and you're overweight, and you should totally go, I'm like, I'll support you, um, I like, that is how the conversation went, and six months later, she told me about it again, and this bomb went off, and I was at my end. You know, I was done. I could not do it anymore. I was living in Hollywood um, and I lived like Hollywood and yucca Wilcox area, you know that area real nice and um and there was a subway at Hollywood at uh Franklin, I think, and Highland. So, there was a subway there, so I started there, and then I went to Studio City, and then I went to Burbank, and then I went to the Valley, and then I'd make this big circle because I needed to only get two cookies per subway because if I got more than two cookies per subway, you would know something was wrong with me. So, I would just drive throughout the night and, like, stop at every single place and just get my fix. Um, I was binging until 4 or 5 in the morning um, before I, when I got here and, and before I got here, um, My roommate caught me. She got, I don't, I should probably ask her. It's been, like, almost eight years, and I still don't know. But she called me in the middle of the night. It was, like, four in the morning. And she said, where are you? And I was like, what do you mean, where am I? Like, I'm getting water. She was like, why are you getting water? It's four in the morning. And I'm like, because I'm thirsty. Um, Because we lived right next to a CVS. And so, like, I'm at CVS. I was not at CVS. I was at Arby's. And, um, and then I had to go to CVS and get water so I, when I came in, I could put all the food in my my, in my purse and, like, bring the water in. And she's like, what are you – like, I just remember, like, walking in. And she's like, what are you doing? I was like, nothing. You know, I'm like, went to bed. Um, everything was unmanageable. Everything. Um, I didn't show up to class because, like, I wasn't thin enough or pretty enough or funny enough. And – I just wasn't enough, so, like, why would I even show up? So I started plunking out of college. Um, I was so self-obsessed. I was so self-obsessed. So um, my Eskimo told me about this program again, and I went to the Los Feliz um, Friday night, 6 p.m. meeting. That was my first meeting. And um, I sat next to somebody who was, like, 530 pounds. Um, there was... Somebody in the corner who identified as a bulimic. She was very thin, and I understood both of their heads when they spoke, and um, and I knew I had a problem. And I surrendered in a way because I kept coming back, but I did not get abstinent for four more months. I was binging. Um, I could not stop binging. I um. I I just I just binge all the time. I. I've never told this story it's like not that super important but just the unmanageability of like my my roommate at the time Lindsay um, I remember we had plans for the Super Bowl and she wouldn't let me wear her jeans that I went into her room and stole and then caught me stealing her jeans just because I wanted to wear them because they were the only jeans that fit me Um, and I let her know like that wasn't cool with me (laughs) You're not letting me wear your jeans that I saw. And, um, and I cried hysterically, and I laid on my bed, and then I went to um, a pizza parlor, and I got an entire pizza, and I ate that entire pizza, an entire bag of chips, um, two candy bars. The list goes on. And, and I'm so grateful for opportunities to speak so that I can remember that. Like, that is what I get to go back to if I think showing up is an to me. You know, Um, I don't ever want to eat like that again, ever. Um, And so I moved into my own apartment for the first time in my life. And for a solid month, I ate enormous amounts of food and was terrified of, like, dying of a heart attack and nobody finding me because nobody had a key to my new apartment, and nobody's going to know, and I'm just going to die here. And um, I woke up on April seventh, two 2008, and I woke up and I just said, enough is enough. I'm done. And I have not broken my abstinence since that date. My sponsor is somebody who... um, is there like, relapse survivor, and um, she just reminds me that, like, I don't ever have to change that date if I'm willing to show up and do the work. Mm. And I've been willing to show up and do the work for the last eight years, a day at a time. And sometimes it feels really inconveniencing, you know? Like, sometimes it's just like, oh, my God, really? But I have a really, really big life today because of the things i learned here and i've like become a woman in this program and i and there's people in this room who have watched me do that and there's people in this room i have sponsored and not sponsored um there's people who know really really dark deep things about me um so what it's been like i um i i got a sponsor not like we say i don't agree with this it's just my opinion. Um, it says, so, like, find a sponsor who has what you want. Like, I didn't know what I wanted. Like, just find somebody who will take you through the steps. You know, like, somebody called me and said, um, I'll sponsor you. And I was like, really? Okay. Like, I was not excited about it. Um, and um, and and I realized that that now, like, she had everything I wanted. Like, I just didn't know how to get it. I was like, I, I don't know how to achieve what you have. My first sponsor was Christine K., if you guys know her. Um and she laid the foundation for me so um i got in and immediately started working the steps with her and we got to i think around six or seven um and then i just felt like we got like to become really good friends by the end of it and i was like okay i need somebody who like whose direction i'll take again and it won't feel so friendly and i found um my current sponsor Just because I was going out of town for the weekend, or for, like, a couple weeks over Christmas, and I said, like, hey, can I send you my food? I just left my sponsor, and I'm looking for somebody, and would you take my food? Um, So what that means is, like, I email my food every day to my sponsor. And so she said, sure. And then it turned into this five-year relationship, which is my longest relationship ever. (laughs) Um, And in the beginning... um, I was talking to my sponsor today. We met for step four before this meeting, and um, we were reading about resentment, and I'm definitely working through resentment right now, and the big book reminds me, like, I don't have, like, if I am not willing to let go of a resentment, like, I might die. I might lose my abstinence, uh, and I have a big one right now towards somebody, and um, I'm working through it, and I'm grateful for opportunities to meet and do step work. Um... But when I did my fourth and fifth step with Christine, um, it gave me a lot of freedom. For the first time in my life, I got to put all those things down on paper, have somebody look at it and help me through it and realize, like, I'm not a horrible person. I'm just really sick. I'm super sick. <laughs> like, my head is not right. Um, and my biggest problem is that, like, I think about myself too much. And, like, my solution is just, like, eating food through it or starving through it or X, Y, and Z through it. Um, So some of the things that I have gotten through um, since I've been abstinent is, um, like, I don't, like, I do not hate myself anymore. I woke up every single day and hated the person I was, hated myself, and felt demoralized every single morning. I cannot tell you the last time I woke up and felt demoralized or regretted the things that I put in my mouth. Like, I don't eat out of the trash can anymore. If that's all I get in this program is to, like, not eat out of the trash can again, that is a good day, you know? Um, And those are the things that I try to remember when I think getting to a meeting takes a lot of work, or meeting a sponsor takes a lot of work. Um, So... (laughs) My good friend David over here uh, asked, what are you going to, he was like, what are you going to talk about? I was like, probably what it's like, what happened and what it's like now. <laughs> he said, you got any new material? And I was like, really? Like, what is that? Um, and I, I, I thought about that. Um, and so this new material is um, this idea, <laughs> this idea that, um, this feeling that, like, I'm really comfortable in my skin. And I did not know that was possible. Um, I have held on to this story that um, a year before I got a year before I got abstinent, I was raped, and it was a horrible time in my life. Um, I worked through it with my sponsor. I did all the outside work, It's the daily thing, but for like eight years, I just had this idea that like it happened because I was thin, because it was right after I'd lost all that weight, and so I held on to this story that. Sin equals hurt. And sin equals this. And and this last year, I did a lot of 10 steps. I did a lot of inventories. I did a lot of writing. I did a lot of meditating in the morning. I did a lot of quiet time to let go of this idea that that I'm not allowed to let my body be like where she wants to be. And so this last year, I have done a lot of step work. I've just done a lot of work in every area to let that story go. Because for me, I kept weight on to keep you away, even though that doesn't really work. But in my head, I thought it worked. And this last year, I've let go of another 21 pounds of fat and gained, like, 7 pounds of muscle and, like, feel really good in my skin. And I started this new um, workout challenge which is hilarious to me, that, like, it doesn't trigger me, that, like, all these other people are like, oh, my God, let's talk about the diet, let's do this, and da-da-da, and I'm like, I'm just showing up in my body, and I'm present. And I work with a nutritionist because that's the food plan that I need to work with because I need accountability in every area of my life. Um, and I'm grateful that I have stayed long enough to, like, Luz and I were talking about, the longer I stay, the less I know. Um, that might be depressing to the new person, but <laughs> just stay, <laughs> because um, I get more humble, and um, and now I have all these experiences that I get to share with sponsees. And, um, and I used to, like, judge myself that, like, I didn't have this, like, perfect 11th step, and now my 11th step looks like This morning, I woke up early before the alarm went off and um, and spent two hours in bed just, like, reading little affirmations, reading from literature, from OA-approved literature, reading from AA-approved literature, um, writing in that For Today booklet that came out. Maybe we have one here. Um, The For Today was the very first piece of literature I was given when I came to OA Um, And I just read it every single day, and I've picked that back up, and I've been reading that every single morning and doing that writing response. Um, Today, I I came out um, about three and a half, four years ago-ish. You know, and I I do, I want to also give credit. I am in another fellowship, and I really hit bottom about four years into my abstinence and had to look at some other areas of my life unwillingly and um, realized like oh like I'm also an alcoholic um, and was not happy about that but that gave me a ton of freedom too and um, and you know in the first like four so I got um, I entered another fellowship around year four and because I came in really young I came in at 21 and I'm 21 29 now um, I didn't always act like a lady, and with, like, grace and integrity in the first couple of years of my abstinence. I just needed to stop learning. I just needed to, just, like, put the food down, and I needed how to, I needed to learn how to, um, not eat compulsively, and, and, like, I was walking out of college. Like, I needed to learn how to just show up at class. Like, those are the things I started to do, and then I got abstinent, and, um, I never failed another class again, and graduated college fourteen months later. Um, and so, um, so when I when I combined both of those, I feel like for the last four years, I have really shown up with grace and integrity and dignity. And um, and 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 now, like coming out. Um, like, I have learned how to be in, 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 in an intimate relationship, and that is really challenging. And my buttons are pushed a lot. But I have learned um, that, um, it's kind of, like so hot. I'm trying to think what I'm trying to say here. Um, I have just run my entire life. And I have not wanted to take responsibility for things. And this program in over years anonymous has shown me how to show up like a lady, um, whether I like it or not. And I am really grateful that I have stayed and that um, I get to pass that on. And that um, and that I'm doing the work. Um, I did an inventory yesterday. I really hate inventories, 10-step inventories. I really hate them. They make me very uncomfortable. I really resist them um, because they make me look at the truth. Um, But I have gotten so much freedom when I'm willing to do them. And I have been sitting on one for about two months, and I finally was willing to do. and so I did that, and, um, and my sponsor said, okay, great, and we need to, like, revise it. And <laughs> I was like, really? Um, and, like, add more things to it. Um, so, anyway, um, I'm just really grateful to be here, and um, I'm grateful to be present, and I'm grateful that I don't have to do it perfectly anymore. Um. I'm grateful that we all show up here. Um, For the newcomer, find somebody who will take you through the steps of reader's Anonymous, who will take your calls, um, who will hold you accountable. That is what I needed. Um, I got the 4 Today book. That's what I needed when I got here. Um, I read that every single day. Um, And, and... And today I do two to three meetings in this program, two to three in my other program. I work with a nutritionist uh, because that's what works for me and that's what helps me. Um, I couldn't do that for the first few years. It was way too uncomfortable to me. Um, I work with steps. I'm working the traditions right now with my sponsor. Um, I work out in a kind and loving way. I take care of my body. Um, I eat really clean. Like, people tell me that, like, sometimes, like, I'm the healthiest person they know, which is hilarious because I used to eat McDonald's three times a day. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I just don't hate myself because I've worked um, the 12 steps. And now the traditions, which I'm really enjoying um, and sponsoring and being sponsored. And the last thing I want to say is that um, I loved when people talked about traveling the world and staying abstinent, and I got to do that last year. I went on a very, very awesome and challenging trip to Europe for 25 days with my girlfriend and her parents, Um, and I quickly learned that it was a trip, not a vacation, (laughs) and um,
1: and, um,
0: her father, her stepfather works for an airline company and so everything is right on time if you're not on time you're in trouble um and when I'm traveling Europe I want to just relax and be and and enjoy um and yes a lot of that happened but it was very challenging um extremely challenging and here's what I did I listened to these podcasts all the time I wrote gratitude lists in the car all the time, late at night. Um, I asked um, I asked if we could, like, go to the market so we could get some food that, you know, like, brings me sanity. Um, I emailed my sponsor. She emailed me back. I emailed her again. Like, I emailed fellows. I kept in contact with people. And so what I've learned is that this program has to be tangible, and I have to be able to take it everywhere. Um, and... Um, I don't know I'm just going to stop because I'm like for whatever reason like totally blanking um, so I'm not just going to keep chatting so I'm really <laughs> grateful um, I'm not just going like, to make stuff up um, so I'm really grateful to be here and I'm grateful all of you are here so thanks
1: <laughs> okay.
0: okay. so now it's time for questions if anyone has any
1: so much for share weight, and I wondered uh, if you could talk about your experience using weight as a barrier and what it's been like to let go of
0: it. So the question is, how did I use weight as a barrier, and what has it been like to let go of it? How did I use weight as a barrier? Well, I used it to keep people away. I felt like it was my safety. Um, it also kept me living a really small life. Um, I, I guess this last year I've let go of those like last 20 pounds. Um, before that, I guess I lost 45 pounds in, in program. Um, the only way I did it is, thanks. The only way I did it is a lot of prayer and a lot of trust. And um trusting that I will be safe no matter the, the, the size of my body. And that I would look around at other people who are thinner than me and say, Well, he or she's not being hurt. Like, why do I think mine has to be any different? You know, like and um Because I got abstinent, I took new actions, and I didn't put myself in positions to be hurt. You know? And and that's not to say that um, I'm very clear that what happened to me is not my fault, but when I'm in my disease, I'm extremely insecure, and I go looking for ways to make myself feel better, and sometimes I hang out with bad people. And so if I say I have stayed abstinent, and so I have, continue to, t- like, make right choices. And so today I feel comfortable because a lot of prayer, a lot of patience, a lot of meditation, um, and talking to people who get it. So just for today, I feel safe and comfortable in my skin.
1: Thanks. Um, thank you for your share. You talked a lot about uh, Step 11. Can you talk a little bit about your relationship with a higher power and how that's changed?
0: Uh, the question was, I talked a lot about Step 11. Um, what is my experience with Step 11 and my relationship with the higher power? Like
1: the higher power part, yeah.
0: Okay, what's my relationship with the higher power? Um, I grew up with the Christian God, and I still believe in that God. Um, but my relationship is also, um, it's really just like an energy and a feeling. It's not something I can fully describe. But when I connect to, to God, that's what I use, that's the term I use. Um, it's, like I, it's like I feel like I'm in, like, alignment, you know? Um, God, to me, is love and compassion, and I don't have, like, this, like, major definition. I just know that, like, when I connect to my higher power through prayer or quiet time in the morning or reading my affirmations or it's meeting with my sponsees. It's like being, it's like this awareness to me and being present. Being present is like a God thing to me. And it keeps evolving. And sometimes the God that I grew up with is not the God of today, but I believe in both of them. And I just go with like, where do I feel right and centered? So thanks. Jeff? Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Um. Thank you, Brooke. Interpreter. Uh, you talked about being in a fellowship. I was wondering how you balance working the steps in uh, more than one program, if you did it twice,
0: or how you that. The question is, how did I balance being in two programs, and right? Working with steps. And working the steps. So I had almost worked all of the steps in OA when I got into AA, um, so it was fine. Um, I had started, like, I had gotten, like, to, like, nine in OA, and then my college was like, we need to go back and, like, work one, two, and three again. So it was a little back and forth. Um, and then the the only balance I can really say is that I made them be equal so that I didn't think one was less or better than the other, because I really struggled to accept that I needed the other program. So I went to three meetings there and three meetings in OA all the time. And I like balanced it out. Um, and um, I made sure that I stayed in the center of OA when I was in that other fellowship. Um, I mean, I'm still there. Um, because I didn't want to think that maybe that was just my problem, you know, and so I sponsored a lot of women gratefully at the time. Um, But for me, I just, if I make them equal, then I don't get to, like, maneuver around it. You know what I mean? I hope that helps. Thanks so much, Laura. Um, Can you talk a little bit about your relationship with your family and recovery and, like, if you shared your program with them? And, and you talked about, like, feeling like your sisters were more beautiful and how that...
1: How's that all been influenced by
0: your recovery? So the question is, what is the relationship like with my family today now that I'm in recovery? Um, They're really supportive of my program. Um, Nobody else is in program except for me. Um, I guess I just apply. First, they're really respectful. So, like, I can use certain languages with them, you know, like, and they're not in program, but. They do their own personal development. So I feel like we've kind of all grown. But um, I don't... I don't uh, my sister was the biggest struggle, one of my sisters. Um, I had deep, deep resentment towards her. And um, I constantly played the victim. And as soon as I made my amends to her um she got a job in LA and she was living in Nashville and she moved out here a month after I made those amends to her and I kind of cut her out for a while I just couldn't deal I was like you just stay over there um I'm not gonna look at my part and once I went through that night step with her um I got to work through that relationship for the last two years um and so because I have changed. like if they don't ever change that's okay because I get to act differently today and I get to show up for them and I get to show up on time which is something I never did before um and some things I guess I have noticed is they've noticed the change in me um and and I don't know it it none of us have had like a major major issue except for me and my sister um but I have just learned that people don't change sometimes. I have to change. And, um, so there's nothing I can think that other than, like, a bunch of tent steps and a bunch of inventory that I've had to look at, um, and loving them where they're at and no longer, actually, like, no longer taking their inventory and wondering if they need a program. I have no idea what is right for anybody. And I have found that here. Um, and, you know, I, I had, I went to dinner with my sister last night, that one that I've struggled with my whole life, and I went to dinner with her last Friday, and I just get to continue, like, making living amends, um, because she has been my biggest struggle, and, and vice versa, I'm not innocent, um, so, yeah, thanks. Yeah? Um, how does program show up in your romantic
1: relationship?
0: How does program show up in my romantic relationship? Um, well, she's really accepting. She's not an addict, which is baffling to me. Um, (laughs) She threw away a box of donuts yesterday because they went bad. I'm like, it's only been two days. Like, I don't, I don't understand what, why are you throwing that away? Um, she never complains about me going to meetings. She's completely supportive. Um, I get to lay in bed and do 10 steps while she's next to me. How it shows up, um, she is petite and weighs a lot less than I do. And on that first date, I thought, why would you be attracted to me? You are so much thinner than me. And I thought, I would never want her to say the same thing about me. Oh, I don't like Laura because she's bigger than me. Um, And I could have walked away from that just because she's smaller than me. She's just a petite human being. And now I love it. She's like her favorite thing to do is just to like lay right on top of me at bedtime because she's just like so comfortable. And it's like the cutest thing. And I'm like, I'm like, do you want to just like lay on me? You know? And she just <laughs> lays on me and falls asleep because she's like a feather, <laughs> you know, and I love it. And I could have I could have missed that if I had like let my ego get get the best of me. <laughs> And I don't look at her and think, oh, I need to be your size. Like, I've just accepted, like, this is your body type and this is my body type. We're both okay. And I've gotten I've gotten there because I've accepted I'm powerless over food. My life is unmanageable. And, like, can I turn this over to God? You know? Um... And it shows up by, like, being of love and service to her and putting her name equal to mine, you know? It's bringing her dinner tonight. Like, she lives in Orange County, and, like, I'm going to drive down there tonight and grab her dinner because she's had a long work week. It's just those little things of, like, thinking of another person before I think of myself, which is really hard sometimes. Um, so, Thanks. Thanks. <laughs>